Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, brothers and sisters. Now is that time for us to begin the Bible Truth Hour. We're going to stand up and face Jerusalem. And we're going to get into our prayer. We're going to invite the Lord inside of this Bible class today and thank him for all that he has done for us. All right. So let's get ready. Go get your Bibles, too, brothers and sisters. Go get your Bible. Go get your pen and your paper and definitely take down your notes as needed. Take down your notes as needed. All right. And we're getting ready to go ahead and stand up, face Jerusalem, get into our prayer, and get into tonight's Bible class. Father God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we come before you this evening, Father God. Although we moan and groan in this body and this flesh, Father God, but we say thank you, Father God. Because we know whatever pains and ills and illnesses we are going through, Father God, this is just the journey that we must go through in order for us to get to where it is you want us to be, Father God. Father God, again, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We know that we are undeserving of your spiritual gifts and your pardons, Father God. Yet you seem to give it to us time and time and time and give us an opportunity to wake up, to stand up and walk in your straight and narrow path. We ask that you bless this Bible class tonight, Father God. Those who are watching, looking, and listening, let it be edifying to them and let it be glorifying to you. Father God, we pray this prayer in your son, Jesus, Yahshua name. Amen. We thank you, brothers and sisters, again, for tuning in to tonight's Bible class. Continue sharing the lesson. If you don't mind, let's go ahead and read off the what we believe. We're going to go ahead and read off the what we believe. And we're going to go ahead and get right into our Bible class. All right. The Bible class Truth Hour is an online social media Bible based ministry where we teach the uncut word of God as it is written in the scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, Isaiah 28 and 10. Our mission is to lead as many souls to Jesus, the Christ, so that through the word of God and the keeping of the commandments, we may receive salvation. Our motto is, if you cannot read it, then do not believe it. Here's what we believe. Number one, we believe in the name Jesus. We have no dispute with our brothers or sisters who choose to use the name Yahshua or any variation of the name as it was translated from Hebrew, Aramaic to Latin to Greek to Old English and to English. We have no dispute if you want to use any of the names before it was translated into Jesus. But we here on the Bible Class Truth Hour primarily use the English version of the name, which is Jesus. Number two, we believe that Jesus alone is our Lord and Savior. Number three, we believe in the Sabbath day, which is from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. 
Number four, we believe in the seven feast days of the Lord as listed in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, and that we are commanded to keep each of those seven feast days. Number five, we believe that we, the so-called African-American and those who were spread throughout the world um, by way of the transatlantic slave trade are indeed Hebrew Israelites and that all the Lord's statutes, laws, and commandments apply to us. Number six, we believe that we must keep the law to the best of our ability. Number seven, we believe that we must keep the Lord's dietary law according to Leviticus, the 11th chapter, because remember, he wanted to set us apart. He wanted to sanctify us. He didn't want us to be like every other people in every other nation. And so while the nations in Europe were eating pork and catfish and shrimp and lobster, the Lord said, you are my people. You are the children of Israel and the followers of Christ. So even if you are a Gentile or one of another nation and you have decided to become a part of the body of Christ, then my commandments and my laws and my statutes will apply to you. So we don't eat anything that is deemed to be unpermissible for us to eat according to the dietary law that God gave us in Leviticus, Leviticus the 11th chapter. Number eight, we believe that both the scriptures or Old Testament and the testimony or New Testament must be used when teaching the word of God. You can't be an Old Testament scholar or a New Testament Christian. You must be both. Number nine, we don't believe in Sunday Sabbath service. We don't believe in the Trinity doctrine. We don't believe in the cross or images or holidays that originated in the worship of other gods, such as Easter, Christmas, New Year's, or any other day that originated in its origin to worship false and idol gods. These are antichrist according to the Bible. Number 10, we believe that salvation through Jesus is for all people. It don't matter what color you are. It don't no matter what nation of people you belong to. If you follow the statutes, laws, and the commandments of God, then the same thing that applies to his people, Israel, applies to you too. Revelation 7 and 9, I saw a number that no man could count. Of all tongues and all nations and all people. Brothers, at this time, if you have a hat or a hair covering, Brother Duncan, you can remove it at this time. And sisters, if you don't have a hair covering on, then please go and get a little hair covering, put it over the crown of your head so that we can be in accordance to the ordinances of God in compliance to the ordinances of God as listed in the book of 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verses 3 through 6. All right. Let's get into tonight's lesson, brothers and sisters. Tonight's lesson is pain comes before promotion. Again, pain comes before promotion. We've gone through so much in this life. Some of you all have lost the mother. Some of you all have lost the father. Some of you all have lost a sister or a brother. Some of you all have lost some close people in your family. Some of you all have been divorced and broken up and been in bad relationships. Brothers and sisters, we're here to tell you that God is still good. 
give you a brief synopsis of um, what happened this past Sunday at our show, our poetry show that we threw. A brother who attends the Israel of God, he said, brother, Black Ice, I lost my wife. Things are real tough for me right now. I feel like committing suicide. I just don't know what direction to go in or what to do. I know God. I know that he's good, but I'm in so much pain. Well, brothers and sisters, this is what the word of God is for. It's here to guide us through the pain that we are to experience in this life. And believe me, brothers and sisters, that this life is filled with pain. It's filled with setbacks and 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 uh, difficult times. But God has showed us, brothers and sisters, that no matter what we experience in this life, no matter what we are going through in this life, that if we put our trust in the Lord, that we can make it. Indeed, once again, we can make it, brothers and sisters. And so, again, we thank you once again for tuning in to the Bible Class Truth Hour here on the four-time national award-winning POET radio. Let's go ahead and bring in our YouTube right now and welcome our YouTube and get right into our lesson. YouTube in five, four, three, two. One. YouTube, thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Bible Class Truth Hour here on the four-time national award-winning POET radio. I'm your host, your minister, your brother, Brother Black Ice. Tonight's Bible class is entitled, Pain Comes Before Promotion. Pain comes before promotion. We're going to go ahead and get right into our lesson. Let's go to the book of 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. Always be on guard, brothers and sisters. Always be prayed up and stay prayed up because your faith determines your outcome whenever you're dealing with something. Your faith also determines how long you're going to stay in the condition that you have found yourself in. You know how sometimes we speak with people and they're in the same condition that they were in last year at this time. Well, that's a faith issue. And that's a faith problem, brothers and sisters. Now, the reason why we got to stay prayed up in our faith is because Satan is coming. Ain't no if. It's a matter of when he's coming, brothers and sisters, because he's coming. And we can defeat him when he comes, but we must have faith we must have faith let's go to the book of first peter the book of first peter and we're going to go to chapter five and we're going to read verses six through ten. First peter chapter five verses six through ten and it reads humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of god that he may exalt you in due time well wait a minute when you exalt someone that is a promotion, brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. But why is it that I need to be humble before I'm exalted? You know what happens to people 
when they're exalted and they're not humbled, oh, they begin to make themselves God in place of God. You saw what happened with Pharaoh when he was dealing with Moses and the children of Israel. He thought that he was God in place of God. And so the way sometimes God humbles us is he allows us to experience some type, some type of pain, some type of discomfort. Oh, yeah, you thought you had it going on. You thought that everything that you touched turned to gold. You thought that you couldn't make a mistake. You thought that this person wouldn't walk away from you. But God had to set up a system uh, uh, uh circumstances to make you see that maybe you're not all that you thought that you were. So he says at verse 6, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So you think that you're the only one that are experiencing the things that you are experiencing. And Satan is good. And making you think that you're the only one in the world that's going through this right now. He knows how to isolate you. And you ever notice sometimes when people are going through something, they shy away. You don't hear from them. They don't answer your phone call. They don't return your text message. And then when you talk to them a few days later, they say, oh, I was just going through something. Well, don't you know? The time that you need to communicate is the time when you are going through something. But Satan wants you to believe that when you're going through something, you don't need to talk to nobody. You don't need to answer that phone call. You don't need to respond to no text. You don't need to communicate with nobody. He wants to isolate you. And that's the same thing that he did with Eve in the garden. He isolated her away from Adam. And this is how he was able to get to her and ultimately kill her because she sinned against God. And she repeated it to him. We should not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day that we eat thereof, we shall surely die. You shall not surely die. He wants to tell you all the things that God told you not to do is okay. And that's why this world is so backwards. The right thing seems like the wrong thing. And the wrong thing seems like the right thing because this is Satan's world. Verse 10, it says, but the God of all grace who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you suffered for a while, make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you and settle you. You ever notice when you're going through something, you're unsettled, you're nervous, 
You can't settle your mind. Your mind is disturbed. You can't sleep at night. You're up at two and three and four o'clock in the morning because something is stirring your up your spirit. God is trying to get your attention. And sometimes in order for him to get your attention, he would remove the protection and the covering that he has over you to allow Satan to come and test you and try you. Let's go to the book of James, the first chapter. We know that we are going to be tested, brothers and sisters. And we know that we're going to be tempted. That's Satan's job. He is called the tempter. But you got to learn how to call on God in your time of need. Let's go to first. Let's go to James, the first chapter. Verses two through six. James, the first chapter. Verses two through six. Pain comes before promotion. James, the first chapter, verses two through six. It says, my brethren. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. And it shall be given him, but let him ask in faith. See, you've been asking God to deliver you out of the situation that you're in, but maybe your faith is not where it should be. So maybe you've been asking, but you haven't been asking God in faith. Verse six, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. No doubt in your mind that God is going to deliver you out of this pain and out of this situation you're in. It says nothing wavering for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. So brothers and sisters, God said, you come to me and you're asking me to do things for you and to deliver you, but you're wavering. You don't really believe that I'm going to do it. So until you believe that I'm going to do the things that you are asking me to do, then I'm going to hold off for a little while. And I'm going to let you go through just a little bit more pain, just a little bit more discomfort until you have nowhere else to go but me. Because, see, you're going to try your best friend, see if they got the answer. You're going to call mama and see if mama got the answer. You're going to go to YouTube and you're going to play some YouTube videos and see if YouTube got the answer. You're going to try everybody but God. And God said, I'm waiting on you to try me. And when you decide to try me, then watch your situation change overnight. Even in your time of trouble, you got to learn how to praise God. You got to learn how to talk to God and say, God, thank you for allowing me to go through this trial that I'm going through right now. This health situation. Thank you for putting this on my plate, Father God, because I know that you wouldn't have put this on my plate 
if it wasn't something that I wasn't supposed to get out of this. See, when your thought process start changing from the glass is half empty to the glass is half full, then you won't see what God wants you to see. Now, Jesus had to die when he came into the world. That was his mission. But he didn't have to die for himself. He had to die for us. So I'm saying those things to say this. Even with my niece who passed away from going to the Dominican Republic last month and getting some body work done and having complications from the surgery, two days after the surgery, she passed away from complications of the surgery. I had to look at this thing from a different lens and a different perspective. Yes, I'm hurt over it. Yes, my family was ripped apart over this situation. But my niece had to be the example that was needed in order for other little black girls not to go over to the Dominican Republic to get this body work done. She became the sacrificial lamb. She became the example that God used to edify other people and say, well, maybe this is not for you. Maybe you need to just go to the gym. Maybe you're beautiful just the way that you are. I'm saying all that to say this, brothers and sisters. These trials that you are going through, maybe the trial that you are going through is not for you. Maybe it's for somebody that's going to walk into your life at a later date and they're going to be going through the same things that you're going through right now and they're going to need someone to understand what they're going through. And the best person to understand what someone else is going through is someone who has already been through it. And all they want to know is that they can make it through the other, to the other side. Don't you know how many people come up to me and they say, man, Black Ice, I just lost my son. I just lost my daughter. I need you to help me get through this situation because I know you lost your son. A couple of weeks ago, I went to a service. My coworker lost her son, 26 years old. When she saw me walk through the door, the first thing she said is, you know, I'm going to need you. You know, I'm going to have to depend on you and rely on you to talk to me, to help me get through this situation, because I know you know what it feels like. And I always tell people, I don't know how you feel, but I know how it feels to lose a child. And so many times when you go through things, it's not for you. It's to prepare you and weaponize you to go to other people that will be experiencing the same things. Let's go to Psalms 121. Psalms 121. And we're going to read one through eight. And it says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which come of my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will suffer thy foot not to be moved. Again, he will suffer thy foot not to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. 
Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. So God don't take no breaks, brothers and sisters. He don't have no days off. It ain't like when you call him, he gonna be like, well, you know what? I'm on my lunch break right now, brother. Um, get with me within an hour. Just like God don't sleep and he don't need no lunch breaks. The devil don't sleep and he don't need no lunch breaks either, brothers and sisters. So you got to stay on guard, stay prayed up, stay in faith 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I know we get weak. But this is what this class is for. For some of you who are on here right now, who are experiencing problems, who already know this information, sometimes you just need confirmation. Number five, it says the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. Did it say that the Lord will prevent you from experiencing evil? It didn't say that. Evil is a part of the human experience. Death is a part of the human experience. And the Bible calls death an evil. He didn't say that you were not going to experience that or go through that. He said, I will preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. So despite what we will be going through, despite the things that we would be experiencing in our lives, brothers and sisters, the Lord is there to carry us through even when we're too weak to walk out of our situation. The Lord is going to carry us through the situation. So we want you to hold on, brothers and sisters. Pain comes before promotion. Let's go to the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter. Our strength comes from the Lord. We think that it comes from our parents or our parents' past. I'm so strong because my parents gave me this type of strength. No, brothers and sisters, our strength comes from the Lord. When the spirit is, when, when the flesh is weak, that's when your spirit kicks in. But the issue is we are allowing our flesh to be controlled by our spirit instead of our spirit to be controlled. I'm sorry, we're allowing our spirit to be controlled by our flesh instead of our flesh being controlled by our spirit. When the spirit is strong, it keeps the flesh in check. Let's go to the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter. Verses 10 through 13, Philippians, the fourth chapter. Verses 10 through 13. And it reads. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me have flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content. So whatever situation you're in right now, be thankful, brothers and sisters, that God is still here and he is still with you. And look at it like I said before. 
as this is part of the journey that God wants me to walk. I might not understand why he wants me to walk this walk in this journey and experience this pain, but he knows why he wants me to go through this thing and experience this pain. And I'm going to trust him enough to know that whatever he has for me is going to be all good. Verse 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to be abound everywhere. And in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry both to be abound and to suffer in need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. So we also have to learn how to be flexible, brothers and sisters. He said to be full and to be hungry. That means to be humble, brothers and sisters. In knowing that God has blessed you so much that your cup runneth over, that anytime you walk into a room, it changes the whole environment. And I know a lot of y'all brothers and sisters online can attest to this. You walk into the break room and your job and the conversation begins to change. People see you walk into a room, they start sitting up a little bit and trying to see what's going to come out of your mouth. There's a light on you that shines in a world of darkness and we know that we have it and we could be conceited if we allowed it to get to us. But that's where the humbleness comes in. Although we know that we are gifted with this wonderful gift of the knowledge of God and the spirit that we possess that comes from the power of his word that a lot of other people don't have. But you ain't no difference than nobody else. You can go through the same test and the same trials that anybody else can go through. So you got to stay humble, brothers and sisters. Let's look at some examples of those who endured pain before they were promoted. Now, I love this story. And some of you all have heard it before. This is the story of Joseph who was sold into slavery by his brothers, held captive in Egypt. And through faith, he was promoted to be the vice lord in Egypt, only the second in command in the throne. But outside of the throne, he ruled Egypt, brothers and sisters, and only had to report to Pharaoh. But let's look at what he had to go through in order to get to that position. Let's go to Genesis, the 37th chapter, verses 3 and 4. Genesis, the 37th chapter, verses 3 and 4, and it reads, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Now Joseph was one of the 12 sons of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. It says, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. So don't show favoritism to your children, brothers and sisters. This is how you cause envy and hate amongst the siblings. Let's go to Genesis, the 39th chapter. Genesis, the 39th chapter, 
Now, while in Egypt, God was still with Joseph, brothers and sisters. He was a slave working in his master's house. And the master's house started to prosper because Joseph was there. So like America started to prosper when they brought us over here. Everywhere Israel goes, brothers and sisters, the people begin to prosper. Egypt was no different, and this man's house was no different. Now, but of course, the devil was going to tempt them. Let's see how the devil tempted Joseph when he was working in his master's house. Genesis 39, verse 1. Genesis 39, verse 1. And it reads, and Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down there. So the brothers sold him to some Arabs, and then the Arabs took him to Egypt and sold him to Potiphar, an Egyptian man, right? It says, and I'm going to read verses one through seven. And it says, and the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man and he was in the house of his master Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer of his house and all that he put into his hand. So. Just like Pharaoh made Joseph overseer of Egypt, before he was overseer of Egypt, he was overseer of his slave master's house. Verse 5. And it came to pass from that time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had. And the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And again, I keep saying the Lord blessed America for our sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in his house and in the field. And he left that and he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not aught he had save except the bread that he did eat. And Joseph was a godly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, lie with me. So the master's wife is trying to get Joseph to have sex with her. But verse eight, it says, but he refused and said unto his master's wife, behold, my master would not what is with me in his house. And he have committed all that he has into my hand. So Joseph was like, no, I'm not sleeping with you, woman. I'm not doing this. I'm not going out there and disrespecting my master. All that he has, he's put into my hand in this house, and I'm not going to um, disrespect him nor sin against God. Now, let's go down to verse 10 through 23 and see what happened. Verses 10 through 23. And it says, and it came to pass as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. Every day this woman is coming to Joseph asking him to have sex with her. My brothers, I'm going to tell you, 
this man had to be real strong because I know guys back in the day we were in high school. We used to call the girls bugaboos. We used to be, girl, stop sweating me. Just go. And if the girl was around us long enough, we'd be like, girl, just come here. I'm going to do it just because you just keep bugging me. So if this woman came to Joseph every day telling him to sleep with her. <clears throat> and I'm pretty sure that she was exposing herself to him as well. Now, verse um, verse 11 says, and it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. And there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and ran and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them saying, see, he have brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me. And he, and I cried with a loud voice. So the woman just lied basically accused the man of trying to rape her. Verse 15. And it came to pass when he had heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which you have brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So wait a minute. First, the man becomes a slave in the Egyptian guard Potiphar's house. The Lord showed him favor. The Egyptian guard promoted him. Now the man is in prison. God is showing him favor. Now the man is getting a promotion in prison. And so this is why, brothers and sisters, we got to take this example that no matter what condition we are in, what we're going through, the Lord can promote you even in the worst of conditions. But you got to stay humble. It says, and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph hand all the prisoners that were in the prison and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. So the man experienced the pain of being sold into slavery by his brothers. Now the man is experiencing the pain of being put into prison by his slave master. Let's go to one more place. Now let's see what God is about to do with Joseph. Because again, this man goes from slave to the second ruler in Egypt, only under Pharaoh. 
pain comes before promotion. Let's go to Genesis 41, 1 through 7. Genesis 41. And we're going to read verses 1 through 7. Genesis 41, 1 through 7. And it reads, and it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed. And behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kind and um, fat-fleshed, and they did feed in the meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up out after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and the lean flesh kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind, so Pharaoh awoke. So Pharaoh got this dream. The dream is being disturbed or disturbing him. He's wondering, what in the hell do this dream mean? So now, let's find out about the other dream that he had. It says, and he slept and dreamed the second time, and behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin, thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears, and Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Now, this is where Joseph gets his chance to be promoted. Let's go to verse 25 and read. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. Now this man is given prophecy, 38 through 43. 38 through 43. Now when you read this story of your own, you can read where Pharaoh tried to get what the interpretation of the dream meant from his so-called wise men in Egypt. But the wise men wasn't wiser than this Israelite, brothers and sisters. We're going to read verses 35. Was it 35? 38 through 43. 38 through 43. And it reads, And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man whom the Spirit of God is. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as you are. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto the word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. So the greatest man in Egypt during this time was Joseph. Only in the throne was Pharaoh greater than him. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. He gave Pharaoh the prophecy that you're going to have seven years of plenty 
and then seven years of famine. So store up during this seven years of plenty because the famine is coming. And it's the same thing with you. When you are experiencing good fortune in your life, you better save up because it's not a matter of if there's a bad time coming. It's just a matter of when, and you want to be prepared. I was always taught that financially, I should be able to be in the position to live six months in advance. So if something happened where I was having no income coming in, that I can live the same lifestyle that I have today. I'll be able to put gas in my car, pay my mortgage, my car note, my insurance, put food on my table for six months before I began to run out of money. It's the same principle that we got from Joseph as far as Pharaoh was concerned. In those seven years of plenty, store things up. So when that famine comes, you can be on cruise control through that famine. Let's go to Daniel, the third chapter. When we look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we see one of the biggest examples of faith and pain and promotion. Daniel, the third chapter, verses three through six. Daniel, the third chapter. Verses three through six. And it reads, then the princesses, I'm sorry, then the princes, the governors and captains and judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. <clears throat> and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then and herald cried aloud to you it is commanded o people nations and languages that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet flute harp sackbut psaltery dulcimer and all kinds of music you fall down and worship the golden image that nebuchadnezzar the king has set up and whosoever falleth not down and worship shall the same hour be cast into the midst of the burning furnace. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the uh, of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, has made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image, and whosoever falleth not down and worship, that he should be cast into the midst of the burning fire. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. So here it is. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is like, I ain't doing that. My God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Him and him alone do I bow to. 
But now here comes the pain. And remember, pain comes before promotion. Let's pick this thing up at verse 13, 13 through 19. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not you serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this manner. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. And the form of his visage was changed against Sharat, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore, he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was previously heated. Now, let's see what's about to happen. Because again, brothers and sisters, pain comes before promotion. Let's go down to verses 21 through 30. 21 through 30, and it reads, Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen and their hats and their other garments, and went, were cast in the midst of the burning uh, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Ain't that something? That the flame was so hot that the men that were carrying them to the furnace had burnt up. It says, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto the counselors, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, true, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come forth and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire, and the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors, being gathered together, saw that these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor a hair on the heads singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of the fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who have sent his angel 
and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any God except their own. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no God that can deliver other than this sort. Brothers and sisters, the king may have thought that he was putting the men of God through some kind of pain and discomfort. But they knew something that he didn't know. That it is our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that could deliver us from the fire of troubles that we are experiencing in our life. The fire of job problems that we are experiencing in our life. The fire of marital and relationship problems. The fire of, of our children problems. Don't you know that God can send his angels, his Holy Spirit, and deliver us from all of these ills and illnesses and things that we are experiencing and going through in our lives, brothers and sisters? But the one thing that they had was faith. Now, Satan is a thief, brothers and sisters. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal the joy out of your relationships. Come and make things difficult with you as far as your finances and your health. And it appears as he as if he's winning. You go to church, you keep the Sabbath day, and you struggling. You take somebody else that ain't going to church, that's not keeping the statutes and the commandments of God, and then it look like they win it. It looked like they got it going on, brothers and sisters, but it's temporary. Our God wants to set us up where we have life and have life more abundantly, not no temporary thing. Let's go to John, the 10th chapter, verses 7 through 10. John 10, verses 7 through 10. And it reads, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I am come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Now, we've been taught that this ha uh, uh, that, that the interpretation of this is God wants you to have a big car and he wants you to have a big house and he wants you to have the fanciest clothes and the best shoes. And it's not that God doesn't want you to have those things, but you can't take those things with you, brothers and sisters. I've never seen a man lying in a casket with his car. 
I've never seen a man lying in a casket with his house. I've never seen a man lying in a casket with all the money that he has made. You can't take it with you, brothers and sisters. But God has a life that's after this flesh and blood life. And that life is the life that we are auditioning for right now, brothers and sisters. If you can suffer the pain of this life, and if you can make it through this life, even in death, God is going to promote you to God. I'm going to say that again to make sure you heard what I said. God is going to promote you from this life as man to God in the next life. You would be a spirit being. The Bible says that you would be joint heirs with Christ. What did Christ inherit? He inherited a throne and he inherited a Godship. So if you're going to be joint heirs, then you're going to share what he inherited. Let's go to second Peter, the third chapter. Second Peter, the third chapter, this life is so short that the Lord equals one day to him as a thousand years for us. Now, let's put this thing in perspective. What's 10% of a thousand years? That's a hundred years, right? So if we live to be a hundred years, in God's time, that's only two hours and 40 minutes because a day is 24 hours. 10% of 24 is 2.4. So if you are blessed to live to see 100 years, that's still only two hours and 40 minutes. And the time that we calculate time by. So let's look at 2 Peter, the third chapter, verse 8. 2 Peter, the third chapter, verse 8, brothers and sisters. You see it right now. The older we get, the more time flies by. You'd be like, man, we already almost out of the month of January. First month of the year is almost gone already. Time moves fast the older you get, brothers and sisters, as it appears. Second Peter, the third chapter, one verse, verse eight, it says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And so we know and understand now that when the Lord told Adam that the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die, Adam lived to be 900 plus years. But he never lived to see a thousand years. So in God's time, the same day he sinned was the same day he died. Let's go to Job, the 14th chapter. Job, the 14th chapter. We know we can't live forever in this flesh and blood body. We all want to be promoted when our time is said and done. We want to be resurrected when that time of resurrection comes. We don't want to find ourselves in a lake of fire. We want to be promoted to God and live in his kingdom. Let's go to Job, the 14th chapter, verses 10 through 14. Job, the 14th chapter, verses 10 through 14. 
And it reads, but man dieth and wasteth of the way. Yeah, man give him up the ghost, and where is he? And that's the same question we ask you. When man die, where does he go? Does he go to heaven when he die? Let's see what the prophet Job said, brothers and sisters. So man lieth down and resteth not, till the heavens be no more. They shall not awake, nor be raised out of their sleep. So your loved one who has died and has passed away, you know what they're waiting on? Job said it right here, to the heavens be no more. They have to wait until there is a resurrection. And the first resurrection don't take place until Jesus returned. And I got to ask you a question. Is Jesus back yet? Has he come back yet? That means all of our loved ones who have ever died is still, as Job says, not awake nor raised out of their sleep. It says, oh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave, that thou wouldest keep me a secret until thy wrath pass, that thou would appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait until my change come. So we are awaiting, brothers and sisters, that first resurrection or that change to come. Let's go to the book of Ecclesiastes, the ninth chapter, verses one through six. There is hope in those who are still alive. Those who are dead, there's no more hope that they could hope for. They had to do what they were um, alive to do in order to gain salvation. But once they take that last breath, there's nothing else that they can do. We hope and we pray that they got it right, that when they were here, that's why when I'm speaking at funerals, I focus more on the people that are attending the funeral than the one who's in the casket who has passed away. Because that person can't hear you. That person is not knowledgeable of what's going on. But you can hear me. You are knowledgeable of what's going on. So my job is to share the word of God with you so that you can begin to walk the walk and do what you have to do to get in God's good graces in order to live in God. And when it's time for you to die, to die in God. And be raised at his coming. At his coming. Not be raised when you die, unless you die when he's coming. But be raised at his coming, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Ecclesiastes, the ninth chapter, verses one through six. Ecclesiastes, the ninth chapter, verses one through six. And it reads For all this I considered in my heart, even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean, to the unclean and to him that sacrificeth and to him that sacrificeth not. As is the good, so is the sinner and he that sweareth and he that feareth an oath. 
This is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one event unto all. Yeah. Also, the heart of the sons of men is full of evil. And madness is in their heart while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. Wait a minute. It didn't say after that they go to heaven. It says after that they go to the dead. But wait a minute. Verse 4. For to him that is joined to all living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more a reward for the memory of them is forgotten. So when you die, brothers and sisters, your consciousness seeks to exist. So ain't no my loved one is looking down on me smiling. If your loved one is looking at you smiling, then the Bible is a lie. Because the Bible says here that the dead know not anything. Ecclesiastes 9 and 5. So if I don't know anything, then what would I have to smile about? And if I was knowledgeable enough after I died to smile about something, wouldn't I also be knowledgeable to cry about something? To be angry about something? To be upset about something? If I was knowledgeable, then how could I rest in peace after I die? If I was knowledgeable to look at you and smile. These were fairy tales that were passed down from generations before us to try to say things to comfort you. But in comforting you, they misinformed you, brothers and sisters. And that's why the word of God is here. When you die, brothers and sisters, your consciousness ceases to exist. And the best example that I can use is when you go to sleep, You can wake up in the morning and you have no knowledge of how long you've been asleep. You say, man, I know I went to sleep when the 10 o'clock news came on. Let me see how long I've been asleep. Pick up that phone. You look at the time. You say, man, it's, it's six o'clock in the morning. I've been asleep for eight hours or it's four o'clock in the morning and I've been asleep for six hours. The only way you know is when you wake up again. So the dead has no perception of how long they've been dead. So that's comforting to know that although my son has been dead for 13, 14 years, I'm only knowledgeable of that. He ain't knowledgeable of that. So in the resurrection, when he awakes, brothers and sisters, to him, it's just going to seem like a moment. Just like you say, man, it, it, it feels like I just went to sleep. Because the dead has no perception of time. They are resting in peace, brothers and sisters. We got two more places to go. Let's go to Revelation, the 22nd chapter. When Jesus comes, he brings his reward, brothers and sisters, with him. Right? 
and his kingdom comes with him. Be careful of those who say, oh, it ain't no more law. It ain't no more commandments. If you don't keep his commandments, you are not blessed, brothers and sisters. So don't let nobody come and tell you that, oh, we, we not under the law. We under grace. Let me ask you a question. Does sin still exist on this earth? Well, the definition of sin is the breaking of the law. So if there is no more law, then how can there be still be sin? Think over that, brothers and sisters. Revelations 22 and 12. Revelations 22 and 12. Let's read what the words say and stop listening to what everybody else say. Even when a pastor tell you something, you tell him, show me where I can read it for myself. Revelations 22. And we're going to read verse 12 and it reads, and behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work. Let's read 13, Sister Key Israel. It says, uh, 13 and 14, it says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Now, I was always taught that if you want to know the meaning of a sentence, then reverse the sentence. So the sentence say, blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life. So what happens if you don't do his commandments? Then you don't have right to the tree of life, to enter into the gates, into the city. This is a different style of teaching, brothers and sisters. And we must come into a different way of thinking when it comes to the word of God, not based on what we think we know it don't matter what you think it don't matter what you believe it don't matter what you've been told it don't matter what you've been taught the only thing that matters is what we can read and if you cannot read it then don't believe it let's see how jesus became promoted after he died for you and i romans 14 and 9 romans 14 and 9 romans 14 and 9. And Jesus is our best example. So what better way to end this Bible class tonight than with Jesus himself? Romans 14 and 9. It says, for, for to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. Pain before Promotion came into the world as a man through Mary, was raised as Lord and God. Let's go ahead and read our last place, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 16. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 16. 
and it reads, but I will have you not be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Hold on, hold on, wait a minute. See, Brother Black Ice, I told you that people, when people die, they go to heaven. How else would Jesus bring them with him? Well, brothers and sisters, I got to read it, Sister Key. I got to read it. It says, verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel. Stop right there. The, the Lord has to descend from heaven first. <clears throat> It says, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall raise first. The dead in Christ shall raise first. It says, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So wait a minute. It says to meet the Lord in the air. So Reba, if you're at home and I'm at my house, and we say we're going to meet each other, then I'm not going where you are, and you're not going to be where I am before we make contact. So this here at verse 16, I'm sorry, 17 says, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So as the Lord is descending, we are ascending and we're meeting the Lord in the clouds. But what happened when we meet the Lord in the clouds? Let's go to Revelation, the 14th chapter, and find out what happens to the Lord upon his dissension. Revelation 14. It says, so shall we forever be with the Lord. But does he rapture us off unto heaven? Let's read what the Lord comes or goes after we meet him in the air. Revelations, the 14th chapter, it says, and I looked and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion and with him, with him, 144,000 having his father's names written in their head, foreheads. Verse three, and they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn the song, but the 144,000, which were redeemed from the earth. So when the Lord descends, we ascend, we meet him in the air and we come back down here with him to this earth. And the first place his foot touches is Mount Zion, which is in Jerusalem. So, brothers and sisters, the Lord is coming back to this earth. And he's bringing those of us back with him. Once we meet him in the air, we're going to descend back down here to this earth with him. 
and rule and reign with him for a thousand years. There's so much more that I can share with you in this lesson. Read Revelations, the 20th chapter, verses 4 and 5 on your own. It's going to tell you that those who are resurrected in the first resurrection or change is going to rule with Christ for a thousand years, but the rest of the dead won't live again until the thousand years of Jesus' reign is over. So, brothers and sisters, thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Bible Class Truth Hour here on the four-time national award-winning POET radio. I'm your host, minister, and teacher of the Truth Hour Ministries, Brother Black Ice. I want to thank Sister Key Israel, who has been putting those scriptures in the comment section so that you can read it. I want to thank all the members of Team Truth Hour who help us share this lesson and invite people on to see the live feed And brothers and sisters, I ask you to do the same thing. Share the lesson. We put it on YouTube. For those who don't have Facebook, you can get it off of YouTube and send it to them. For those who are on YouTube, we ask that you subscribe to this channel. And if you have a Facebook page, then like our Facebook group page, The Truth Hour Bible Class. For those who are on Facebook, go and like our YouTube channel, Truth Hour TV. Truth Hour TV. If you would like to be added to our text message invite reminder list, then text your name and the keywords Truth Hour to 312-719-7310. Again, if you would like to be added to our text message invite reminder list, then text your name, Team Truth Hour. I need y'all to put that number in the comment section. Text your name. And the keywords Truth Hour to 312-719-7310. If there's a lesson that you would like for us to teach on, or if you have any questions, then you can reach out to myself, Sister Key Israel, or anyone that puts in the comment section the word Truth Hour. Team Truth Hour, at this time, I need you to put Truth Hour in the comment section. That way they can know who to reach out to. Now, for those who are on Facebook, please put what you thought about this lesson in the comments section so I can go back and read it. Um, It's encouraging to know how you feel about the lessons that we prepare for you all. And it's edifying to us, but it's glorifying to God. YouTube, until next Tuesday, peace and blessings in Jesus' name. Now, for those who are on Facebook, we're going to stand up, face Jerusalem, which is in the east, and um, convene our Bible class for this evening. Father God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we come before you once again, Father God, and we say thank you for another powerful lesson, Father God. Father God. This is all about you and not about us, Father God. Teach us your ways, Father God. Lay open your path so clear that we all can see it and walk in it, Father God. Protect us, Father God, from Satan's trials or or temptations, I should say, and his thorns, Father God. You say that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, Father God. 
increase our faith, Father God, that although we go through pain and experience hardships and hard times, that we may keep you in our minds so that you would navigate us through this difficult life, Father God. Father God, we pray that those who watched and looked and listened was edified and that you were glorified. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, brothers and sisters, until next Tuesday, peace and blessings in Jesus' name. Good night. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.